This is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes and a quiz. I'm Kyle. And I'm Emily. And this is the week of, oh my God, what day is it? (laughs) There's no Dis- time, Emily. <laughs> it's I have lost all sense of time. This is the week of December 18th, 2023 through December 22nd, 2023. Rapidly hurtling toward Christmas and New Year's. I'm, There's no time. We have to we have to get this done, Emily. Mm-hmm. I I am unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm prepared for this podcast tonight. I am not prepared for Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. So we'll talk about the Jeopardy episodes in a moment, but let's talk about us and our our preparation or lack thereof. How are you doing, Kyle? Uh, I'm doing good. I have all of my uh, Christmas shopping done, although I have none of my Christmas wrapping done. So so that feels good. And I have a kid who broke her pinky tumbling in the basement and she totally does not care. In fact, she often takes the splint off because it's not comfortable and we're like you gotta wear it though <laughs> it'll be far less <laughs> it'll be far more uncomfortable to like totally screw up your finger but yeah aside from that we just got you know christmas coming up and then new year's how are you i am complicated <laughs> um, things are things are great at church but also extremely hectic i I had a uh, a longest night service, I guess a few days ago, whenever people are listening to this, you know, where we, you know, if people, it is a, a contemplative kind of, you know, solemn holiday, like Christmas service, you know, to acknowledge whatever, you know, tough stuff people are carrying with them in the holiday season. I mean, it's a tiny service normally. Normally I get like three to five people and it's like this very small, intimate group. And I was... Mm-hmm. shocked and astounded that like 20 people showed up to the service <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm sorry there were a lot of people who you know felt like that was the space they needed yeah. but, like it was but it was nice to have a solid group but also like a lot of my plans that work well in a very very small group just sort of I had to adapt on the fly so mm-hmm. you know so like I don't know just it I'm good but complicated Christmas shopping is I don't know, like I thought I was done and then I looked at the piles and was like, I don't, this, it doesn't, like, I feel like stuff is missing. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm scrambling to catch up on, you know, Christmas shopping and like things that I wish I would have thought of when they would be easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Gotta balance out the kids. Gotta make sure that there's, there's equity among nephews and nieces. Sure some of whom I had brilliant ideas for and others of whom I was sure the brilliant ideas would come eventually. (laughs) (laughs) And you're still waiting. And I'm still waiting, but (laughs) the hours keep passing. And in in about a hundred hours from when we're recording, I'll be at Disney World. So yay. Yeah. Yay. With, with all of my, with all of my family, it's all going to, it's all going to turn out. Okay. (laughs) All right. Monday, December 18th. We are talking about the 2023 Champions Wildcard Hearts Final Game 2. This is the second day of a two-day total point affair, which we left off on on Friday. Uh, I don't like leaving off on Friday on a two-day total point affair. 
but doesn't feel right. Yeah, it doesn't. Our contestants once again are Gary Hollis, a chemistry professor from Roanoke, Virginia. He's coming into this game with a subtotal of six thousand. Tyler Vandenberg, a Marine officer currently serving in Stuttgart, Germany, with a subtotal of 17,600. And Yangshin Wang, deputy public defender, originally from Lafayette, Louisiana, with a subtotal of 8,000. And the Jeopardy round categories are Here Comes the Sun, Colorful Sports, P in Fashion, Play Settings, Not Chess Again, and Postal Abbreviation Combos. I don't know if it was an easy sports question week for Jeopardy or if I'm getting better at sports, but I have known a number of sports things this week. They're they're not exceptional sports things to know, but it's surprising coming from me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, any progress is progress. Yep. That's right. And of course, the contestants got all of the sports questions right actually did they have a perfect round did they miss any here oh no okay i see we missed a missed the daily double yep other than that though looks like a pretty clean board yeah yes indeed that was a a strong game from everybody Mm -hmm. yeah no i think i think that daily double was the only missed question and maybe the only incorrect response in this round yeah it was i think yeah oh but i knew at least three yeah i knew mm, it might have gotten to the thousand dollar level hard rock stadium in florida is home to the miami dolphins and this college bowl game that's the orange bowl the names of the bowl games (laughs) kind of amuse me (laughs) yeah i mean the the classics kind of like they they make sense you know you got the orange bowl you got the rose bowl you got the cotton bowl Mm -hmm. you got the sugar bowl and then sugar bowl is funny though I mean, it is, it's punny. Yeah. But also yeah. I mean, it makes sense like yeah, agriculturally, but then you get to, you get into the, uh, you know, the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. I was, the, was going to say the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm, and then, uh. you know, your, your capital one venture card bowl and your <laughs> happy birthday mom bowl and all that, yeah. mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I thought the $600 level of postal abbreviation combos was <laughs> playing with fire there mm. with, with, the, with the sensors you know georgia plus mississippi equals these body parts slang grandpa might use <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> young shen got it with gams i mean sure if you're writing this category and you just kind of like come up with that you're like oh yeah let's go with gams let's see if we can make a joke but i, I gotta think there are other options hmm <laughs> like it, it's not like you're running out of options when you come up with five you yeah, know, different combinations of of state abbreviations. Yeah, daily double number one is just below that in the postal abbreviation combos at the eight hundred dollar level. It's pick number fourteen. Gary finds it. He is at twenty six hundred. Young Shen's at forty six hundred. Tyler's at twenty six hundred. He bets it all. Gets the clue as we already said. He missed it, so it's kind of spoiler. But the clue is Hawaii plus North Dakota equals this backward word. And he guesses what is hand, but Hawaii is H-I, which makes it hind. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Youngsheng's in a strong lead at 8,400. Tyler's at 3,800. Gary is at 2,400. Double Jeopardy categories are U.S. Firsts, Dance Revolution, Poncho Village, Odds and Ends, and in quotation marks, In Your Face, and Well, They Sound the Same. 
which is homophones. Mm-hmm. $1,600 level of, well, they sound the same, a legal claim or with little adipose tissue. Gary did not ring in and said, what is lean? And then Ken reminded them that nobody's rung in. So young Shen r- rang in and said, what is lean? Yeah. Which is fair, but still kind of rough. But, yeah. But I mean, you're there to win. You're yep. playing to win. Yeah. That's what you got to do. The $2,000 level of in your face. It's that indentation in the middle of your upper lip, just below your nose. I was trying to remember the word philtrum. That is not the word that I remembered. The word I remembered is also anatomical. It is not on the face. The face. Yeah. Philtrum. Philtrum is, yeah. Or, I mean, Youngshan said Cupid. Cupid's bow for that, which I have never heard it called that. Oh, really? I have, I have for, for I have long wondered what it's, you know, actually called. But I, yeah, I've never heard it called a Cupid's bow. Oh yeah, I mean, why do I know that it's called that? I guess it's like that's a thing that you learn if you're learning like makeup application techniques or the history of like makeup and like beauty standards, right? So that's hmm. come up for me. A number of times cupid's bow i mean yeah that yeah. makes sense i could see that i i did not ever deal with makeup yeah. until i had kids mm-hmm. <laughs> except yeah. for the except for like stage makeup that somebody else put on me as i sat there yeah yeah fair and like if you're if you're like <laughs> you're trying to learn makeup but you're nerdy you may just sort of wander into like learning about like the history of like makeup and like what looks were like popular in different eras and like you know kind of old hollywood like 1920s 30s like a pronounced cupid's bow was like a thing and you know people would you know like sort of adjust their like their lip shape with their lip liner to like get that more pronounced indentation and that's kind of part of the look of that time would they now (laughs) yeah interesting Mm-hmm. All right. Daily double number two is in U.S. first. It's at the $1,200 level. Pick number four, and Youngshin finds it. He is at 8800 with Tyler at 5400 and Gary at 2400 He wagers 7000 and he gets the clue. The first woman mayor of a major U.S. city was Bertha Landis in Seattle. Soon after came Dorothy Lee in this city, 172 miles south, and he didn't seem super confident to me, but he figured it out. It was Portland, Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon. And Daily Double number three is at the $2,000 level of They Sound the Same. Young Shen also finds this one. He's already at 23400 Tyler's at 9800 Gary is at 11600 And he wagers 10000 on a $2,000 clue. That must feel confident or just feel like he needs to catch up, which is fair. Tyler had a big lead from the previous game. Gets the clue, any channel to walk down or Guernsey in the English channel. And he gets it correct with what is aisle Mm -hmm. or aisle. Yeah. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Youngshin has 33,800, which makes it a lock tournament but i'm not sure that he knows that i i felt like not all the contestants like were 
clear that it was a lock tournament. I don't know. I don't something about the vibe. It seemed like they were, you know, sort of waiting to see who would win. Mm-hmm. Tyler is at 11,400. Gary's at 14,800. The final Jeopardy category is National Monuments. And the clue is designated in 2016, a New York City monument named for this place of business includes nearby Christopher Park. Tyler tried. What is the World Trade Center Memorial? And that is not correct. He's wagered everything, so he'll drop drop to zero for this game, which gives him a cumulative score of 17,600. Gary tried. What is the New York Stock Exchange? Also not correct. He's wagered 8,300. So he drops down to 6,500 for this game, 12,500 for the tournament. And Young Chen is the only one who got it with what is Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn, which is on Christopher Street. And he wagered zero. So he stays at 33,800 for the game. You add back in his previous subtotal and he's at 41,800 for this two-day total point affair. So he gets the 100000 for the tournament champion, and he will be back for the tournament of champions. Yes, he will. He was very excited. Yeah. As I'm sure anyone would be. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I liked seeing the other, like Tyler got really excited for him. It was like, you did it! You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like... I don't know. It's just, it's just so, it's so charming. My, my son sitting next to me and watching is like, why is he happy for him? And I'm like, well, any the real daily double is the friends we made along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So the hearts is over. The champion wild card is over and we are on to second chance. Second time. Mm -hmm. Second, second chance. Yep. First, first, second chance for these contestants. So here we go. Week one, semifinal one with the returning contestants, Mike Elliott, a meat cutter originally from Derry, New Hampshire. Eva Thomas, an attorney from Brooklyn, New York, and Jason Carpenter, a stand up comic from Santa Rosa Valley, California. Now, is a meat cutter different than a butcher? I don't know. And I, I also don't know. I, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Hopefully someone can educate us on that. The Jeopardy round categories are mammals in Latin, cautionary rhymes, King's Crossing, always in fashion, unofficial team nicknames, and famous last words. Did you feel good about these sports team? I knew some of them. I figured out the $200 level, which, you know... <laughs> The absolute bare minimum, I guess. The Aints, this city's NFL squad during a 1980s lean lean stretch. That is, it's a it's a rhyme. It's the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> it's like, I guess it's a rhyme, yeah, in that it is five of the six letters. Yep. <laughs> the the six hundred dollar level, the Broad Street Bullies, this NHL city's Flyers. I knew that the the Flyers are Philadelphia. And I remembered from a Learned League question, the $1,000 level, the greatest show on turf, the late 90s, early 2000s edition of this team, then in St. Louis. That was the Rams. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So three out of five. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes three Jeopardy contestants together can't come up with three out of five correct responses. It's, tr- it's true. <laughs> it is true. Famous last words was not the last words people said before they died, but rather words about endings. The $800 level, blow of mercy in French, it's a finishing blow at the end of combat. Uh, combat. Eva said, a coup, what's a coup de gras? 
and Ken corrected her as coup de grace. Mm-hmm. Now, in French, is it supposed to be coup de grace? Yes. And yet there's, an e, there's an E at the end. And yet we just call it a coup de gras. Oh, do we? I have never heard this pronounced ever in my entire if it's de, life. If it's coup de gras, that would be G-R-A-S, right? Like Mardi Gras, like fat. Sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't speak French, but I know that I have always heard it as coup de gras. Huh. Okay. I'm not sure I've heard people say that phrase out loud very much, so I can't speak to that. But the the French is definitely coup de gras. Unless it's supposed to be a blow of fat. <laughs> I, I'm not sure quite how that would work as an idiom, but sure. Yes. I liked the cautionary rhymes category. Just the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> How can we get people to remember these things that are dangerous? Yes. <laughs> like wearing green when you get married. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. The rest of them, I think. No, 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 no. Three, three of the five are valid and two of them are superstitions. Yeah. So there was the one about how to distinguish a coral snake from a king snake, which I memorized as a child as if that was going to be a thing that came yeah. up a lot. Oh, yeah. No, I remember it. And I'm like, when... <laughs> When have I ever been in that environment? <laughs> and like. There's so many other snakes that could kill you, too. Why is uh-huh. it just those two? Yeah. And like, honestly, like if you see a snake and you're not sure whether it's deadly or, or benign, maybe just leave. Right. Yeah, like, just stay away be, from it. Be still. I need to look at your stripes and remember this poem I learned. I also. Yeah. Memorized in my childhood this one at the thousand dollar level. These two days of the week are rough as day one's child is full of woe and day two's child has far to go. Mm-hmm. Is that is that Mike got that one? It's Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know why I put so much stock into that. It was like before the internet and I like was very like I like carefully sat down with calendars and like figured out like what day of the week each of my siblings and I had been born on so I could wow. figure out what our little prophecy was. Wow. <laughs> That was intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Daily double number one is in King's Crossing. It's at the $800 level, and it's pick number 12. Ava finds it. She is at 4,000 with Jason at 1,800 and Mike at negative 400. She wagers 2,000, and she gets the clue. In 1516, 11 years after losing the queen, he called the most excellent wife King ever had. This Castile royal left the castle. And she tries who is King Philip, but it's King Ferdinand. Yes. Yeah. So she drops down some, but makes a good recovery. And at the end of the Jeopardy round, Jason's at 3,600. Ava's at 4,200. Mike is at 3,400. And the double Jeopardy categories are from the French, Cornerstones, Super Successful Sequels, Australian Books and Authors, It Happened in 2023, and Countries Inside Other Country Names. I learned about myself that I apparently don't know the names of sequels. Like I you knew what the original the, was, right? Yeah, I knew what the original was. And I think that when a sequel comes out, I don't really, I think I may not be committing the name to memory, right? Like, I think that I just talk about it as Tron, you know, <laughs> not Tron Legacy or like, you know, Top Gun, not Top Gun Maverick. And I could not remember the sequel titles for any of these. I only remember a sequel title if it's funny. Yeah, I tend to I tend to just think of them as 
so in, like blank two. Yeah. <laughs> there are only so many things you can pay attention to and it's you know money true. grabbing sequels. Is it really Yeah. Nice pull from Mike at the two thousand dollar level though. Detect twenty twenty, detectives played by Will Smith and Martin Lawrence fight drug lords in Miami. He said, What is Bad Boys Three? And Ken said, Can you be more specific? And he came up with it. It is Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. He's he's a big fan, clearly. Mm-hmm. Oh. We had two misses before they got the sixteen hundred dollar level at in Cornerstones. In seventeen fifty nine, the cornerstone for the oldest synagogue in the US, the Toro Synagogue, was laid in this Rhode Island city. I knew this one, but I don't really know how I knew it. Jason tried what is Providence, which I mean It's the guess. Yeah, that's that's the guess. And Ava tried what is Provincetown. Provincetown is in Massachusetts. I mean, let's be real. Rhode Island is basically in Massachusetts. It's it's true. <laughs> it's true. It is. And like, I feel like Ava maybe was bringing some knowledge there because like it is in fact like a like an oceany beachy town, which Provincetown is. But then Province, like it sounds like Providence, you know, yeah. so I feel like that's an easy mix up and then mike finally got the correct response which is newport it's newport rhode island which is like kind of a swanky you know kind of seaside Mm -hmm. town right all right daily double number two is in cornerstones it's just above that at the twelve hundred dollar level pick number 15 mike uncovers it he is at ten thousand six hundred jason is at ten thousand eight hundred and ava's at five thousand and mike Bets it all. Mm-hmm. Only got 15 clues left. That's gutsy. Gets the clue. The cornerstone for this U.S. school's oldest building, the Wren Building, was placed in 1695. So you had to kind of think of, first off, if there's a building named after Christopher Wren, where would it be? And yeah. also, 1695 is very early, so you would want to go to the oldest college, and that's mm-hmm. William and Mary, but he guessed what is Yale. Yep. Yale letting us down again. So he he loses it all. Yeah, and then eight clues later, he also finds Daily Double number three. It's in super successful sequels at the $800 level. At this point, he is at 800 bucks with Jason at 11200 and Ava at 5000 And he wagers everything but a dollar and he gets the clue 2015 a new theme park creates indominus rex a genetically modified dinosaur and he figures this one out it is jurassic world so that brings him back up a little bit yeah and going into final jeopardy mike is back to 2799 he's got some some money he was at 5800 but jason is in a locked position at 12,000. <laughs> Final Jeopardy category is inventions, and the clue is invented in 1816. It takes its name from Greek for chest and observe. Mike put, what is thanks, everyone, which is incorrect, but also nice. Yeah. Uh, And he wagered $45. Eva wrote, what is stethoscope? That's correct. Wagered nothing because it's a double lock. Uh, And Jason also wrote, what is stethoscope? Also wagered nothing because it's a lock. And so Jason advances. That's right. And so on Wednesday, we have our next set of second chance contestants. Jake Garrett, a football coach and teacher from Trussville, Alabama. Sam Clausen, a history professor from Santa Clarita, California. 
And Javeria Zahir, a psychiatrist from Whitby, Ontario, Canada. And the Jeopardy round categories are, let's take a peek, quite a sight, movie viewing, a look back, oh, I see, with I see in quotation marks, and it's a vision board. That's a fun set of categories. It is a fun set. How'd you do in those visions? I did okay. Pre- pretty well. I know a child named after this $600 level. <laughs> in the first book in English by a woman, Julian of Norwich lists visions including the universe as the size of this. And they had a picture of something. Juveria tried what is a chestnut. Sam got the rebound with a hazelnut. And I know I know a little girl who is named Hazel. In part after that passage from Julian of Norwich's visions. I'm trying to find the quote now. And in this, he showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut lying in the palm of my hand as it seemed, and it was as round as a ball. I looked upon it with the eye of my understanding and thought, what may this be? And it was answered generally thus, it is all that is made. I marveled how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen to nothing, nothing for littleness. And I was answered in my understanding, it lasts and ever shall, for God loves it. And so have all things their beginning by the love of God. (laughs) Yeah. Julian of Norwich is kind of an interesting figure. Don't think I know anything about Julian of Norwich. Yeah. But it's not a triple stumper, so you won't be talking about it. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Bummer. I'll never learn. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, is also Julian of Norwich. Oh, okay. that's, a, that's a quote that, that you might come across. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Again, getting a bit a, a bit a bit dodgy with the censors there in the IC category, the $400 level. This form of poem might begin, there once was a man from Kentucky and get saucy. <laughs> Javeri got it. That's a limerick there. These, these clues that are not... not genuine writers although at this point are they are were the writers back for these the writers seem to be back i don't know i can't tell but like i mean this whole board i mean unless they unless they recycled this whole board from from a previous season it seems to me like the writers are back right like we've got these 2023 clues in the in the previous game right like feels like this is it feels like we've got new material here sure and this yeah. board this board clearly was all put together as one thing yeah no that's the first time that they've had the category it's a vision board well nice then yeah. well the writers they're back they, they got attitude they're like yeah. fresh off a strike they're like uh-huh. ready to go ready yeah. to test the waters all right daily double number one is in a look back at the thousand dollar level pick number 14 sam finds it he's at 5200 Javeri is at 3,800. Jake's at 800. He wagers 3,000. Gets the clue. Six days before Robert E. Lee's surrender, the Confederate government fled this city and Confederate troops burned much of it down. And he gets it correct with what is Richmond. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Javeri is at 5,600. Sam's in the lead at 10,400. And Jake is at 3,400. Double Jeopardy categories are A Real Sob Story, 2020's TV, Don't Eat With Your Hands, Famous Finns, as in Finnish people, opera, and going to the dog breed words. Weird category name. I'm a little confused about that category title. Yeah. The famous Finns came out and I was like, well, we're going to get Sibelius. We're definitely and, getting Sibelius. <laughs> and yeah. then I don't know who the other four will be about. 
Yes. Because luckily, I know one Pavlov for Finnish. Exactly. Luckily, the $400 clue, we didn't have to give the name. They just asked for Finland's first female president, Tarja Hallinen, had 88% this. That's an approval rating, which is nice. I, I don't know if I ever knew that Linus Torvalds was Finnish. I'm sure I did. The, the $800 clue asks what uh, operating system he made. That's Linux. Linux. And then tough, tough, incorrect for Javeri at the $2,000 level. His dad, Eliel, designed Helsinki's railway station. He designed St. Louis's gateway arch. And she said, who is Saarinen? Which is correct, but they, you know, they already talked about his dad, so they wanted the first name. Right. And she guessed who is Enio Saarinen, but it's Eero Saarinen. Rough break for Juveria, also at the $800 level of a real sob story. Fern Arable balls her eyes out after this runty pig is marked for the axe in the 1952 book, but her dad relents and Fern is happy. And Juveria knows that that's Charlotte's Web, but misses that they were asking for the name of the pig. So Wilbur would have been the correct response there. Some pig. Radiant. 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 (laughs) A word I would never use for a pig. Check out yeah. this glowing pig. <laughs> Bathe in this hog's holiness. <laughs> we traded in the the van that had the DVD player, and so now we don't have anything to do with all of our DVDs. But <laughs> my son, my son read at Charlotte's Web at school and asked if there was a movie of it, and so we got the a, a DVD of the like the old animated one, and yeah. like. Those songs are great. They're Sherman Brothers songs. The Sherman Brothers wrote those. <laughs> yeah. It's a good movie. I, it's a great it's a great movie. I mean, I actually, I have not seen the visuals since I was a child, but now I've listened to the whole thing while driving numerous times. <laughs> right. Um, it's a good movie. Yeah. Juveria knows her opera. Yeah. She's very excited to be in the opera category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she got she got a lot of these, including the second Daily Double at the $800 level of opera, pick number 10. She hits it. She's got 15200 with Sam at 13200 and Jake at 4600 She makes it a true Daily Double. Huh? She makes it a true Daily Double from the lead. From the yeah. lead, she makes it a true Daily Double. But I mean, you know, this is her category. She found the Daily Double there. And it's at the $800 level. It's so we're 800 yeah. yeah, we're expecting this to be gettable. So it is a very bold move. Also, you know, like, if she drops to zero, she's 13,200 behind the lead with 20 clues still to go in double jeopardy. So like, you know, this is great. And her clue is macchiato means coffee spotted with milk. And una macchia is a very aria about a spot from this Shakespeare woman. And she knows this one. It is Lady Macbeth. Yep. So she launches herself out to a big lead and then Jake finds Daily Double number three at the $2,000 level of dog breeds. He's at 7400 Javeri is at 29200 Sam is at 15200 uh, He wagers 7300 and gets the clue, nationality of one from Valletta. And he works it out that that is a Maltese. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Juveria is at 32,400. She's made a little progress since that daily double, but she's also had some tough misses. Sam 
is at eighteen thousand, and Jake is at seventeen thousand nine hundred. These are these are these are extremely these impressive scores. scores. Yeah, unbelievable scores. Fifty-eight questions answered correctly across these two boards. Yeah. So only two, you know, missed clues. Mm-hmm. You know, the clues that didn't get a correct answer. Like this is this is an incredible game. Yeah, we talked about both of the ones that that didn't get a correct answer and both of them almost got right like wilbur and erosarinen were Mm -hmm. were the two that didn't didn't result in in somebody getting some points this is pretty rare that that the scores add up to more than the total amount of money that was on the board right all right final jeopardy category is countries and the clue is of the 14 countries that border china it's the only monarchy and the only one with a population under 1 million and they all got this one correct which is impressive i thought yeah Yeah. so we come to jake first he has what is bhutan and a wager of seventeen thousand nine hundred. everything he's got sam had what is bhutan and love you emma aaron and number three (laughs) wow number three must feel really bad (laughs) and he also wagered everything and Juveria also got it correct, though, with what is Bhutan and a $4,000 wager, which puts her out of the reach of, of the other two and gives her the finalist spot. Yes. And so we get to Thursday, the last of the first week of second chance semifinals. <laughs> For this particular go, we get the contestants Michael Vaz, a tutor from Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, Karen Morris, a veterinary student from Christiansburg, Virginia, and Iris Masucci, a pharmacist from Rockville, Maryland. Jeopardy round categories are a very hallmark Christmas movie, book talk, triply alliterative, union actions, say Buster, with Buster in quotation marks, and legend Dairy. Mm-hmm. These uh, Canadian and East Coasters, the $800 clue of dairy. Since 1911, a hallmark of its state fair is a cow sculpted from about 600 pounds of butter. This was not just a triple stumper, but it was a triple miss. Karen guessed what's Wisconsin. Iris guessed what's Minnesota. Michael guessed what's the Wisconsin State Fair, which was already... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like maybe... Maybe he you know, thought, oh, she missed, you know, maybe she misunderstood the clue and they were looking specifically for State Fair. But, you know, yeah, okay. but no, it's Iowa, the yeah. Iowa State Fair. So so it sounds like this is something that is obvious to you. I, I just it's just something I know. And I OK, I feel like the Iowa State Fair butter cow comes up pretty much every year around the time of the Iowa State Fair. Okay. I don't know. I I feel like I had heard of the butter cow. I did not have it associated with a state in my head, but I was like, ah, you know, a state heavily associated with dairy products. It's going to be Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then that was incorrect. And I was like, well, Minnesota then, because like, I don't know, like Land O'Lakes butter. butter. Yeah. So I was I was right there with these (laughs) with these contestants. East Coast elites. East Coasters, yes. We've learned which of your states is supposed to be about dairy products. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. (laughs) We're all about dairy products. Mm -hmm. First pick of the round made Iris say (laughs) poo-poo. It was in triply alliterative, $600 level. They've showed a picture. Seen here, it's a mix of Hawaiian and Asian-themed appetizers. It's a poo-poo platter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Got her. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like book book talk, I think, has come up multiple times recently. Or, oh, no, there was a Learned League question about book talk, There right? was. There was yeah. one about book talk, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. This was about books and clocks. So. <laughs> yes, TikToks yeah. in, in books. Yep. Daily Double number one is in triply alliterative. It's at the $1,000 level, and Iris finds it at pick number three. So we're coming to it early. She's at 600. Everybody else is at zero. And she wagers 1,000 and gets the clue, four young men of Navarre face off against four ladies in a game of courtship in this Shakespeare comedy. And she cannot think of one that is triply alliterative. It is mm. love's labor's lost. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Iris is at 2,800, Karen's at 3,600, Michael's at 2,000. And the double Jeopardy categories are folklore and legend, sampling, first ladies' maiden names, philosophy, words and their changing meanings, and your O's with O in quotation marks. That first ladies' maiden names category had me scared because I was like, I don't know if I could produce the maiden name of any of the first ladies, but... You had to go most. You had to go the other way. They gave you the maiden name, and then you had to figure out what name yeah, you know her by. Right. You had to name the president that they were married to, right. essentially. Yeah. They had a rough time in that philosophy category. Mm, yeah. They only got the four hundred dollar clue. Karen guessed the wrong time. Thomas and the eight hundred Thomism, Thomism, Thomism. Thomism, is a, I think. Thomism I is know. a school of thought named for this 13th century theologian who tried to reconcile Aristotle with Christianity. She guessed who is Thomas More. What's Thomas Aquinas? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, there were gotta, others. Got to get your Thomases straightened out. Yeah, lots of Thomases. I mean, I've already talked about a Beckett. Yeah. <laughs> How many more Thomases do I have to talk about? The $2,000 level, we also had a couple of $4,000 negative on this attributed to the, to this mathematician and philosopher of ancient Greece is the observation that all things are numbers. They guessed math people. Michael guessed who is Euclid. Iris guessed who is Archimedes. But it was Pythagoras. Yeah. I'm such a nerd. This, we were what? just My husband and I were just talking about the one at the $1,600 level the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it may produce the greatest good for the greatest number to know this philosopher was a great advocate of utilitarianism. That is Jeremy Bentham. Nobody got that one. And I did not figure out who it was. I think they gave a picture. Was there a picture? There might have been a picture. I can't remember. They did. I thought so. Yeah, but yeah I'm pretty sure. Definitely wasn't going to recognize that dude by his picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my husband said something about the panopticon, and I was like, oh, like, you know, look at you getting all snooty with your Foucault references. And he's like, actually, Jeremy Bentham was the one. Oh, actually. (laughs) He was right, though. I learned something new. Jeremy Bentham was the one who originated the idea of the panopticon, although Foucault maybe popularized it. Popularized? Can you call it? I don't know about philosophical concept brought it into the modern era let's go with that Ah, yes the modern era all right daily double number two is in words and their changing meanings at the sixteen hundred dollar level only pick number three iris finds it she's at four thousand karen's at fifty two hundred michael's at two thousand she was just twenty five hundred gets a clue before it meant any chain of islands Archipelago was another name for this arm of the Mediterranean Sea. And she throws out a guess at the last second with the Aegean Sea, but it is correct. Mm-hmm. And 
Michael finds Daily Double number three at the $2,000 level of Folklore and Legend. It's pick number 13. He's at 4800 with Iris at 9300 and Karen at 9200 He makes it a true Daily Double, which I think, you know, I think that's a great move. And he gets the clue. Legend says the woman with this nickname crucially carried water at the Battle of Monmouth. And unfortunately, he does not know this one. I didn't either. Molly Pitcher is what they were looking for here. Yeah. So at the end of the Double Jeopardy round, Iris is at 7,700, Karen's at 10,400, and Michael is at 2,000. And the final Jeopardy category is from page to stage. And the clue, the opera based on this 1993 memoir was staged at a prison for the first time in 2023 at Sing Sing with a chorus of 14 inmates. And goodness, I thought this was disproportionately deep cut for, hmm. for, for my opinion. I, I didn't, I didn't get it from either the memoir or the opera angle, but maybe it's more popular in other realms. It was a triple stumper. Michael did not offer a guess. He also wagered nothing. Iris put, what are the chances of a third chance tournament? <laughs> Which <laughs> very funny. And wagered 2300 And Karen put, what on earth? There's <laughs> <laughs> very good responses. Yeah. And wagered 5001 So Iris, with some good wagering by $1, moves on to the finals. Yeah. The correct response is dead man walking. Yes. Which I think people know best because of the movie but the movie is also based on the memoir Hmm. yeah so i i did get this one i wasn't 100 percent confident but i was like okay like a memoir and like probably a prison connection right Mm -hmm. and so like initially i was like orange is the like memoir plus prison equals orange is the new black and then i was like right. that doesn't line up in terms of dates and also i'm quite sure there's not an opera of orange you is never the know. new black you never um, know yeah you never know so but once i once i thought of dead man walking i was like okay that's that's probably it i'm not going to come up with a better guess than that and that brings us to friday december 22 this is the first day mm-hmm. of a two-day total point affair mm-hmm. and our contestants are iris masucci a pharmacist from rockville maryland jason carpenter a stand-up comic from santa rosa valley california and juveria zahir a psychiatrist from whitby ontario canada and the jeopardy round categories are chicago weather in the bookstore follow the money money in quotation marks historical american governors going soft and carols which was actually about christmas carols it was it was about christmas carols although i don't know all the words to good king wenceslas but is it really a christmas carol or is it more of a feast of saint stephen it's really more of a feast of saint stephen carol um christmas creep just getting mm-hmm. in there, taking over important well, other Saint holidays Stephen, like St. Stephen's. It, it's during Christmas Tide. It's like the second day. It's the day after Christmas, but right? I'm why do, sure. Why do we even bother having it named then, Emily, <laughs> if we're just going to lump it in with everything else? That's that's a fair question. It is apparently December 26th. Yeah. Well, then what even is Boxing Day? Ugh. Um, I've Everyone been kind of confused about Boxing Day, honestly. Actually, I think I mean I could, suppose we could easily look it up, but my recollection is that it's like 
the the holiday for like p- delivery people, mm. like like bo- people who box things or deliver boxes. But I could be completely wrong. I seem anyway. to remember it uh, like learning about it as like it's a holiday for you know like the hired help who are working on on Christmas. Christmas. That, yeah. that could also be it. There are competing they- theories for the origin of the term, none of which is definitive. Oh well, there we go. Could be the day that after everyone who was together with their family on Christmas and had to hold it all in because it was Christmas, it's the day after. So mm-hmm. then they can just, you know, go out and duke it out. Yeah, there we go. I also remember hearing jokes about it's the day that you put all the gifts you don't like into a box and try and go return them. <laughs> <laughs> that I've never heard that, but that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway... Juveria really knows those literary titles. I was not familiar with most of these. Oh, and 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 poetry excerpts also. Mm-hmm. Whether in the bookstore, she got four out of the five. Mm-hmm. Iris got the two hundred dollar level one about the Sesame Street theme song. Juveria got the one about the the type of evening in the nineteen twenty three Frost poem that's stopping by woods on a snowy evening. And then a Carl Sandburg quote about what comes on little cat feet. That's fog. And then... I would um, never have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> and then some a, a novel titled This Condition in Jamaica with pirates. She knew that was a high wind in Jamaica. I've never heard of that. Nope. Um, neither. And then Saul Bellow... I guess has a maybe a novel titled The Rain King, which she knew and I hadn't heard of. I don't know. She's these are some deep pulls. Mm-hmm. Or I've got some big gaps, one or the other. I it's it's the Jeopardy round. I feel like typically we're gonna at least have heard of them. You know, right? Is it, I, I feel and like I know I, like literature is like a category I generally do well in. So mm-hmm. I'm just I, I am finding myself surprised to have three clues where I'm like first I've ever heard of this thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to go a lot to the place that's at the $800 level of historical American governors. Not much is named for Elliot Spitzer, but the hall of human origins in this central park West museum is named for his parents. And Juveria knew that one was the museum of natural history. That's the museum that night at the museum takes place mm-hmm. in. It is it's got educational, you know, natural history stuff, but also like it it's kind of a, it, it is an old museum and there's lots of stuff that's just like been there for generations and, and it so, feels almost like a museum of museums, you know? <laughs> yeah, like the exhibits themselves are like ex- exhibits, right? Like it, yeah, in I get olden what you days, mean. this is what a museum was like. Exactly. Um, it's a very meta museum. Yeah. Yeah, but there's they've got the dinosaurs there. They've got the hanging blue whale thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great place. I love that place. Nice. Yeah. All right. Daily Double number one is in Chicago at the $1,000 level. Iris finds it at pick number six. She is at 600. Javeri is at 2,200. Jason is at 1,000. She bets 1,000 and gets the clue. Nearly 250,000 gathered to see Obama's 2008 victory speech in Chicago's front yard. This park named for another president, and she gets it correct Correct with what is Grant Park. Mm-hmm. Fading the neg bait there of Lincoln, right? Everyone wants to 
yeah. say Lincoln Park. At the end of the Jeopardy round, Javeria is in a strong lead at 8,800. Jason is at 2,600. Iris is at 4,400. Double Jeopardy categories are Bodies of Water, Movie Inspirations, Contemporaries, New to the OED, Biology, and Carols. This one is about people named Carol. Mm-hmm. The $800 level of movie inspirations. Christopher Nolan said he got inspired to make Oppenheimer after this Twilight star gifted him a book of Oppie's speeches. Juveria said who is Pattinson, Robert Pattinson, and kind of kind of laughed. Mm-hmm. But okay, so Robert Pattinson, like I don't think I've paid much attention to what he's up to since the Twilight movies. But do you know that he voiced the heron in the new like Studio Ghibli film? No. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty okay. Cool. Right. Okay. So, like, I found I found some article about this. I, I somehow I ended up on like Robert Pattinson voice acting TikTok. Like he has he had very he <laughs> as had one no, does right he had no voice acting background. His agent like told the um the company that does like the English dub was going to do the English dubs has been doing English dubs of Miyazaki's work that that he was a fan and he was interested and they were going to bring him in for the heron because i guess like in the original like japanese version this is like a weird like creepy kind of figure who you like you know kind of i don't know like the heron's like a like a like a weird little guy and like you would think that you'd get like an older character actor maybe, but they've mm-hmm. got they brought in like some like you know recent heartthrob. So Studio Ghibli wanted like the American counterpart to be kind of a similar person, mm-hmm. and like you know Robert Pattinson's name had previously come up. So they they bring him in, and he's never done voice acting before. They're like, "How is this going to go?" And he's like, "I've been working on this, and I've got some me- some like voice recordings on like the memos on my phone," and he plays them what he's been working on and it's this like fully formed like nasal raspy character (laughs) and like you would never know that it's robert pattinson anyway so like she said robert pattinson and laughed like he's like you know like (laughs) like robert pattinson doing something serious and like having a book of oppenheimer speeches and like i don't know very much about robert pattinson but like there is more to him than i thought yeah, I think I think associating him with Twilight is doing him a disservice. Yeah, um, for sure. Because he really is he he really is a very good actor. In all things I can tell, an actual like a truly intelligent person and mm-hmm. like a and fairly intellectual. It it sucks. I think that so many of our generation <laughs> kind of first met him truly as Edward Cullen, and yeah. now we're like. <laughs> <laughs> sparkly vampire <laughs> vampire guy yeah no there's a there's a lot more to him some of these new to the oed things i'm like how is that just now making it into the oed apparently the term the greater good is now in the oed yeah which is like cool i i, I guess i'm okay with adding like full phrases to a dictionary it doesn't it feels weird to me but yeah whatever yeah Daily Double number two is in biology at the $1,600 level. It's pick number four, and Juveria finds it. She's at 12800 with Jason at 2600 and Iris at 4400 She wagers 10000 She is going for it in this 
two-day total point affair. And she gets the clue, this adjective for the organ that gives nutrients to the fetus describes all mammals except marsupials and a few even weirder ones. And she gets that one correct. It is placental. And daily double number three is in contemporaries at the $1,200 level. And Javeria also finds this one. Mm -hmm. She had one heck of a double jeopardy round. She is at 25,600. It was just three clues later. Jason's still at 2,600. Iris is still at 4,400. And she wagers another 10,000 and gets the clue. J.S. Bach and this great German-British composer were born a few weeks and a few dozen miles apart in 1685. And she gets that correct with who is Handel. She already proved that she knows her opera, so chances are she'd known she'd know Handel. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Juveria is at forty five thousand six hundred. Forty five thousand. Forty five thousand six hundred dollars. That is that's incredible. Yeah. I, Jason's at 10,600. Iris is at 6,400. The final Jeopardy category is the 20th century. And the clue is on July 19th, 1940, Hitler called this man a warmonger and wrongly predicted he would flee to Canada. Hmm. I, <laughs> takes one to know one. Like, I guess. Yeah. And also, and also he'll flee to Canada. What? 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 I mean, yeah, I, I guess we shouldn't be so shocked at Hitler being wrong about things, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So Iris tried who is Stalin. That's not correct. She wagered 4,000. She drops down a little bit. And Jason got it right with who is Winston Churchill and a $5,600 wager. I think he should have gone bigger here. Yeah, I mean, she's very so far ahead. She's you got to so bet it all. Ahead. She's so far ahead. Even if you, if you bet it all and get it right, you've still got 25000 thousand dollars of ground to make up the next day like Mm -hmm. just go for it but okay he bet 5600 that puts him at 16200 for this first day and juveria also got it correct didn't wager big this time a 5600 dollar wager she wanted to finish with 40,000 even if she missed but she gets it right so she ends up at 51,200 yes that is a massive score yeah that's so impressive yeah, and like anything can happen on a second day, but goodness, that is quite a yeah. deficit for her competitors. Indeed. So that's the that's the week. They're going to come back on Monday, but we're we're taking next week off because it's like Christmas break. I'm going to be on vacation and whatever. I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe we'll see if we can recap it a little bit when we come back. But anyway, this that's that's the end of the week, and this is the break in the middle of the episode where we remind you that we have a Patreon patreon.com slash potent potables like the name of our podcast and you can (laughs) you can go there if you want to help us not lose money on making this podcast there are various expenses that we pay for hosting and editing software and stuff like that and your cash dollars help us to break even on this thing it's great. We love it. Thank you for those of you who are helping us out in that way. We really appreciate it a lot. If you are not yet and you would like to, you can head on over. You can slide us a couple bucks a month. And we put our quiz questions on there after we record. I'm going to remember to do it tonight. Yeah. Um, that's the spirit. Yeah. And sometimes we put something else on there for fun. And other times we don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's been a lot of other times recently. Yeah. But who knows? If you sign up, then when we put something on there, you'll see it. Exactly. You could be the first to know. Imagine that. Yeah. All your friends would be so jealous. It's true. Terribly jealous. And there are more important things in the world than our Patreon. So you can find some of the ones that we care about in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Kyle, what are we talking about today? Goodness, there were a lot of triple stumpers this week. There were. And there were a number of good options. I'm going to get the final Jeopardy out of the way. You're talking about Dead Man Walking? I'm not talking about Dead Man Walking. Okay. All right. The other ones, man, there were some good ones. Yeah. Let's go with, are you talking about Jeremy Bentham? No. Ah. Because there was that, and then there was the greater good that was also missed, and I was like, maybe she's going to tie them together. Uh, All right, last guess. So you're talking about Trinity Site and the Manhattan I Project. I am not. Ah, uh, bummer. We're going to the folklore and legend category, the $1,200 level. There's a statue of this guy, hammer in hand, outside the Great Bend Hill <gasps> in West Virginia. Let's talk about John Henry. John Henry. Let's talk about John Henry, who I had not thought about in a while. And I need to figure out, like, I have a particular recording of a John Henry song, like, in my head. Like, I can hear it, and I don't know who it's by Mm. from my childhood, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was one that we would, that I would hear, like, you know, driving in the car. No idea. No idea who it's by. I should probably ask my parents. They might know. Okay. All right. But so I was like, all right, let's 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 find out something about John Henry, the American folk hero, He's said to be an African-American freedman who worked as a steel driving man tasked with hammering a steel drill into rock to make holes for explosives to blast the rock in when constructing a railroad tunnel. The story of John Henry is told in a classic blues folk song about his duel against a drilling machine. This exists in many versions, and it's been the subject of numerous stories, plays, books, and novels. According to legend, his prowess as a steel driver was measured in a race against a steam-powered rock drill, and he won the race only to die in victory with a hammer in his hand as his heart gave out from stress. Mm. The contest involved John Henry as the hammer man working in partnership with a shaker. So, you know, a human hammer man would work with a shaker who would hold a chisel like drill against mountain rock while the hammer man struck blows with the hammer. And then the shaker would shake and roll the, the drill thing and, you know, sort of adjust it to optimize its bite. A steam drill could drill, but it couldn't, like, shake and readjust like that. So its bit would, like, would get stuck and break, break down. So what I learned, though, is it's likely that uh, the folk hero John Henry is based on a real person. So... It hadn't been certain whether there was a real person behind this. There had been speculation about the the site of the John Henry, you know, kind of contest thing being at Great Bend Tunnel, also known as Big Bend Tunnel, near Talcott, West Virginia, which the Jeopardy clue referenced. I think the Great Bend Tunnel and Big Bend Tunnel are the same. I, I came across both titles. And when I tried to search where each of them were, Google Maps 
pointed me to the exact same spot for both. So I think it's hmm. I think it's two names for the same place. But if somebody knows better, then you know, let me know. <laughs> in any case, Great Bend Tunnel is named for the Big Bend in Greenbrier River nearby. And Talcott, as the as the clue mentioned, has a statue and a memorial plaque, and they hold a yearly festival named for John Henry. However, that is that place that is you know said to be the site of this of this event is almost certainly not because historical records have revealed that steam drills were never used at that tunnel. But researcher Scott Reynolds Nelson found a person who is likely to have been the actual John Henry. So if he is correct, the actual John Henry was born in 1848 in New Jersey. He died of silicosis, not of, you know, work exhaustion after, you know, after, after this contest. But silicosis is an occupational lung disease caused by breathing the dust of crystalline silica. So, I mean, similar, right? Sure, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it, like it, the metaphor holds up. Reynolds wrote a book that I have not read, but I can tell you about it, called Steel Driving Man, proposing this figure that he found as the, the, the historical John Henry. He was a former Union soldier imprisoned for theft while on a work assignment in Richmond, Virginia, and leased out with other inmates to blast tunnels through the Allegheny Mountains for the new Chesapeake and Ohio Railway. Scott Reynolds Nelson was researching a different book and came across accounts of many convicts dying while working on that railway. He remembered a line from the traditional John Henry song, they took John Henry to the White House and buried him in the sand, which he realized matched up with a nearby penitentiary of that time. And so then he looked at the records of the penitentiary where he did find a record of an inmate named John William Henry who'd been leased out to work on railroads. Hmm. So John William Henry was from New Jersey and in some capacity worked for the Union Army at City Point. In 1866, he was arrested for stealing from a grocery store and sentenced to 10 years in prison, sent to Virginia State Penitentiary, where the warden had begun leasing prisoners to the railroad for 25 cents a day, and John Henry was one such prisoner. Hmm. And Scott Reynolds Nelson also found a likely tunnel that would have been, you know, the the where where he worked railway records that he found suggest that a likely place would have been the lewis tunnel between talcott and milborough virginia where prisoners were in fact working beside steam drills night and day so that's about it for where the historical record gets us on on the real john henry but it's it's more than i realized we had sure yeah Um, i always thought it was just made up yeah yeah so but, but back to kind of the folk hero, right? Like the John Henry of, of song and story. The story of John Henry is traditionally told through two types of songs. There are ballads, commonly called the Ballad of John Henry. And then there are hammer songs. Some songs and some early folk historian research conflate the songs about John Henry with songs about John Hardy, who was a West Virginian outlaw. Ballads about John Henry's life typically contain four major components, a premonition, by John Henry in his childhood that steel driving would lead to his death, the lead up to and results of the legendary race, Henry's death and burial, and then his wife's reaction. There's some controversy among scholars over whether the ballad or the hammer songs came first, and whether one came from the other or whether they were two, you know, sort of entirely separate 
things. There are there are many, many, many recorded versions of these John Henry songs. Wide diversity of artists. I can't even begin to list them all, but just like a smattering of. I tried to pull some familiar names that are like diverse, the different different styles, different eras. One of the earliest recordings that I was able to find a record of is the is Williamson Brothers and Curry recorded in 1927 under the title Gonna Die with My Hammer in My Hand. There's a Burl Ives version, Cannonball mm. Adderley, Johnny Cash, Paul Robeson, Van Morrison, Bruce Springsteen, Harry Belafonte. Lots of people have recorded this. Lots of versions out there. But other music connections, you probably know this already. The story also inspired the Aaron Cop- inspired Aaron Copeland's orchestral composition, John Henry, which I wasn't familiar with. Also, they might be giants named their fifth studio album after John Henry, alluding to their usage of a full band on that album as opposed to a drum machine. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot more that you can say about like John Henry songs, but like I'm not sure what what to highlight there. So we can just move on. The tale of John Henry has been used as a symbol in many cultural movements, including labor movements and the civil rights movement. I came across the term John Henryism, which is a like a public health epidemiology concept developed by researcher Sherman James in the 1970s. The idea there is that some African-Americans attempt to cope with adversity, discrimination, the, you know, the whole mm-hmm. <laughs> societal right. picture by working harder and harder at the expense of their own health. So he did some research around that. He had a 12-item scale for measuring John Henryism with people answering questions of, you know, like, does it, do, you know, do you identify or not with statements like, when things don't go my way, that just makes me work even harder. So he did research on working class black men and found that among those with lower socioeconomic status, higher John Henryism was found to correlate with higher rates of hypertension, Hmm. which makes sense, right? And then we've got lots of John Henry portrayals in film and literature there was a 1995 disney live action movie called tall tale which i don't know much about but john henry was a character in there mm-hmm. a recent film titled john henry which is like a modern day adaptation something about a former gang member who takes in young teens who are on the run walt disney another walt disney there was an animated short film titled john henry that was just a you know a retelling of the story from 2000 lots of other you know random john henry things from tv he appears in pinky and the a pinky and the brain episode this part and pull out the important ones that's okay yeah and he's all over literature ezra jack keats the like the snowy day author mm-hmm. wrote a Picture book in 1965, John Henry, an American legend, chronicling the history of John Henry. It's been a while since we talked about Colson Whitehead. He wrote a 2001 novel called John Henry Days, using the John Henry myth as story background, fictionalizing the festival in Talcott, West Virginia, and also, I think, connecting it with the release of the John Henry postage stamp in 1996. Speaking of which, there was a John Henry postage stamp in 1996, part of a set honoring American folk heroes, including 
um, of course, John Henry, and then also Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, and Casey at the Bat. Mm. Yeah. And there were elements of John Henry in DC Comics. Really? Yeah. In the comic series DC, The New Frontier, there is an African-American man named John Wilson who becomes a vigilante named John Henry battling the Ku Klux Klan. (laughs) And the superhero Steel's civilian name John Henry Irons is inspired by John Henry. Steel's weapon of choice is a sledgehammer. Uh, of course yes of course so that's not that's not a ton about john henry but it's a ton more than i knew before that's where i'm gonna stop sure yeah no that's that's fine Uh, like yeah i remember there was a song about a steel driving man or whatever yeah and that's as much as i recall yeah so that was was very good yeah thanks and i it was i guess i didn't highlight this as much as i was as i was going through it but it was it was interesting to read up a little bit and realize like oh like you know in that kind of early industrial era, a human could beat a machine because, you know, machines were new and not that great. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> not very smart. Yeah. So that that piece of it makes more sense to me now, too. Nice. Yeah. All right. You ready for a quiz? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This one doesn't have a particular theme. Some of the some of the clues tie in like really directly and some of them just tie in with like John or Henry or Hammer. Sounds good. Um, all right. Let's start with a board game question. Yay. You won't die working on a railroad if you play this game, but you might get into some fights with your friends. What game published by Days of Wonder in 2004 challenges players to build train routes, ideally while also sabotaging the train routes of their opponents? I assume the title reference is a Beatles song, although I haven't verified that. Well, I stopped listening after you said arguments with your friends because that has to be cranium. I'm just kidding. It's Ticket to Ride. It is Ticket to Ride. The, the North American map of Ticket to Ride was the OG. I didn't realize. I assumed that... Somehow I assumed that it was a European game that had been like, you know, sort of hmm. they'd created an American. But yeah, no, the North American one was the was the first. Nice. There are numerous other maps available now. And I will give everybody my my tip that wins me a good proportion of my ticket to ride games, which is if things are not looking great for you in late game, just draw new tickets and hope against hope that you will find one that you either already have or just need to build like one more little little bit to get. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, new destination. T- new new like, destination cards. Yeah, like, sorry. Like I route, forgot yeah. my terminology. It's been a while. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've played a couple times. Our older daughter is able to really grasp it. Younger daughter, not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a complex game. Ticket to Ride Junior is okay, if I remember right. Okay. Yeah. All right, you're at 10 points. Question two. Baggy pants tapered at the ankle with a sagging rise made suitable for hip hop dancing is Wikipedia's description of what relevant clothing item popularized by a relevant star. (laughs) Okay, well... Assuming, okay, MC Hammer is the relevant star. Mm-hmm. And I, if I recall, those are parachute pants. Ooh. Or are they, 
or harem pants. I feel like I should give it to you, but like that's or are they hammer pants? They are, are they called pants. hammer? Yes, yes, really? they are hammer okay. hammer pants. What is the difference between um, hammer pants and what are parachute pants? Parachute pants. Parachute pants are often taken for and called harem pants, which are themselves frequently called hammer pants, according to dictionary.com. Huh. Okay. All right. What is the difference between hammer pants and harem pants? Yeah, I think I think harem pants are a little different, but hammer pants were inspired by harem pants. And I feel like I feel like the harem and hammer being so close is probably you know, not accidental. Yeah, but but I think that I think they are slightly different from each other. Um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right. You're at 20 points. Question three. Uh, the John Henry we've been talking about, his first name was John and his surname was Henry. But there's a figure whose first name was John and his middle name was Henry. But you wouldn't know that because he went by a nickname that he got because of the profession that he practiced in Dodge City, among other places, before his participation in a notorious event in Tombstone, Arizona. What was his last name? Well, the only... I did not know if this is the person I'm thinking of, that his name was John Henry. But the only the only person who I think fits that bill would be Doc Holliday. That is correct. Yes. Wow. John Henry Holliday got the nickname Doc, of course, because he was a dentist. A dentist. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But he was a John Henry, it turns out. All right. This is going great. 30 points. Question four. John Henry may have been a real historical person, but most other folk heroes, many other folk heroes, probably most, were definitely not. Some especially tall tales center on a giant lumberjack and his bovine companion. What are both of their names? Why, that would be Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. It is Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. I don't remember any actual stories about them other than they were extant <laughs> yeah. and they made lakes. Yes. I feel like I remember one about him, like dragging his ax behind him and like creating like a Canyon. Sure. Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else about Paul Bunyan, but <laughs> nice work. You're at 40 points. Question five. As we've discussed, John Henry songs have been recorded by numerous and varied artists. I was shocked to find a recording by what English actor who I didn't even realize had a career as a musician. His version appears on his 2011 debut album, Let Them Talk, where he plays piano and guitar and provides lead vocals. I know him best for his title role in a TV series where he played a surly mm -hmm. American mm -hmm. diagnostician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Hugh Laurie. He is a very talented blues musician. Yeah, I, I listened yes. to his to his John Henry version while I was writing the deep dive. It was good. Yeah, I, he he has a whole. I I don't remember if it's like a documentary or kind of miniseries or something from a while ago 
about like blues music and his kind of like his journey into it and his interest in it and everything. He's mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, no, he. I'm I, I'm so delighted. I'm gonna have to go listen to the rest of his album. All right, we've come to the final question. You are at fifty points, and I guess we're gonna call this category folk music. I'll bet it all because it's a music question, so I have to, and then I'll embarrass myself by getting it wrong. I don't think you will get it wrong, but we'll see. The figure of John Henry has been associated with various social movements. So has what thematically related song, which was written by Pete Seeger and Lee Hayes and had hit versions recorded by Trini Lopez and Peter, Paul and Mary. I don't. I, I have a I guess. Thematically related. It's more. It's more of a more of just I, a I, word tie-in. I guess. Yeah, I, I have a guess. I don't know that I've ever actually heard this song. I think I've only ever heard my parents like say one line from it, and I'm gonna guess it's "If I Had a Hammer." It is "If I Had a Hammer." You haven't heard "If I Had a Hammer." I don't think I've ever actually heard it. No lucky man. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is that my parents would, anytime we were actually using a hammer, one of them, usually my dad would say, if I had a hammer, hammer in the morning. morning. And that's it. That's all I know. All over this land. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I mean, you should probably go listen to it one time because it's important or whatever. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. Also known as the Han- Hammer Song. Apparently, Leonard Nemo- Nimoy recorded a cover of it in 1968, which was terrible. I, I believe that. <laughs> but what's not terrible is your performance on this quiz where you got 100 points. Congratulations. Thank you. It's because what was also not terrible was the quiz. Oh, thanks. And the deep um, Thank you. And you know what's not terrible? You, our listeners. Thank yeah. you for thank you for spending your time with us. We think you're great. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or a review if you have a minute to do that. Our Patreon, again, is patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you have friends who like Jeopardy, tell them about our podcast. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. That's right. And we'll be back next week. Nope, we won't. We won't, we won't be back next week. We We've back, talked about this. We won't be back next week, but we'll be back the week after that with more Jeopardy. And until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you in 2024. Happy holidays. Goodbye.